Welcome to Sunday Sermons and other recordings from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Davis, California. Please visit our website at www.uudavis.org for further information. Universalist Church of Davis, just to make sure you know you have come to the right church. (laughs) I'm the Reverend Beth Banks, and I'm the senior minister for this congregation, and I welcome you here this morning. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe all people have inherent worth and dignity. You are welcome here no matter how you identify or who you love, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your political affiliation whether you are atheist or theist, humanist or mystic. We honor what serves as a touchstone for your life. If you are open to exploring life's big questions, you are welcome into this community of curious learners and compassionate listeners. Alex is going to light the pillar candles and to acknowledge all that is being held by the people in this room especially this last week. We light one pillar candle for the sorrows of the world, for the moments that weigh heavy on our hearts. And we light one pillar candle for the joys of the world, for the moments of hope and the moments of celebration. These words from Albert Schweitzer. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. My daughter Grace loves horses, so I'm learning a little horse knowledge. Did you know that when a horse is brought to a show, sometimes a goat is brought to its stall to keep it company? Horses are herd animals, and the presence of other four-legged creatures is essential to their feeling of well-being. We are herd animals, too, though different, because we can feel lonely in a crowd. We need to recognize and be recognized. We need known faces of people with whom we have shared positive interaction. We need reputation. We need to have our facial expressions read and returned. And without this nonverbal recognition, we wither. When I joined this church, my store of that kind of recognition was very low. I did not have a workplace for daily greetings because my work was caring for my children at home. I had had a group of playgroup parents, which met weekly, but it gradually dissipated, then ended as the children grew. I was under scrutiny as a prospective adoptive parent, And even though I am a harmless and well-meaning person, I felt there was no one outside my family who knew me currently and could vouch for my character. In my childhood, I had known the community of church where everyone knows you and you feel the ease of trusting relationships. I came to this church in part to regain that community. Getting started, I didn't need to be good at small talk, which I'm not. I could be known for my commitment to weeding, and Gail Jankowski was always there. 
I could pour forth my heart at poetry readings and hear others' hearts through the monthly poetry readings started by our dear Allegra Silverstein and other elders of this church. As each worship associate and member told their personal stories and milestones, I really cared about them. Carol, Mare, Linda, Dorothy, and Kathy touched my heart at small group ministry. The talent show showed off everyone's personalities, and I found out that Beth House plays piano and asked her to accompany my singing. I'm grounded in these connections, but coming to church has given me much more than community. I stopped going to church in my early 20s, in my early 20s when I stopped believing in God. Coming here and singing the hymn tunes I had grown up with was like returning to the home of my soul. Returning to church flooded me with what I had missed for decades, weekly confirmation of my values, knowledge of the suffering within our own county, our country and world, and how I could serve to alleviate it, the provocative beauty of poetry and music, and the peacefulness I gain from the beauty of our sanctuary and grounds. I generally hide my atheism, fearing prejudice, but here I can openly be myself. I am ever grateful to this church for both welcoming atheists and for using inclusive language so that atheists are not distressed or alienated by its messages. You have allowed me the spiritual richness of church. Thank you for being my herd. Before I begin my message today, I would first like to take a moment to acknowledge the people who were here before us. The people who for centuries lived on this land, ate the food, drank the water, built homes, told stories and sang songs, raised their families, buried their dead, worshiped the divine and made meaning of their lives here. The people who call themselves the Maidu, the Winton, the Hoopa, and the Yurok, whom we call the Patwin, and for, home, for whom this road is named. Those whose lives have been erased, forgotten, and ignored, but who are still a vital part of this Davis community. Their land, which was taken and turned into a ranchero, and then farms, and now our church home. We acknowledge their stewardship of the land, both in the past and in the present. We honor their lives, both now and then. And we raise up our hearts with the complicated emotions of knowing that their land is our land. And so I would also like to invite you to an event on the evening of October 16th here at the congregation to hear tribal elder Diana Almendares discuss the cultural and environmental practices of the native people in Yolo County. So I would like to start out by thanking all of you. It's been about a month and a half 
since I started here. And it has already been such a wonderful experience. Folks have welcomed me with open arms and have been warm and generous. Your feedback and guidance has been humble, authentic, and kind. I appreciate the time and energy you have already put into my ministry. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, moving your family even just an hour and a half down the road is a big commitment. And so far you have all made it worthwhile. You have supported me, my wife Christine, and our child. As many of you know, Christine and I have a 19-month-old son, Elliot, and of course, that means that I have not had a decent night's sleep in about two years. <laughs> now, that's uh, not exactly true. There have been some good nights, and in recent weeks, things have definitely gotten better, but there have also been some late nights. Even before he was born, there were some nerve-wracking and anxious nights. And after, there were nights of bouncing and soothing and even lying on the couch, not daring to move a muscle. <laughs> I tried a lot of things. Reading, listening to soft music and podcasts trying to stay awake and my mind occupied when all I wanted to do was fall asleep. Eventually, I turned to my dear friend Netflix, scrolling through the TV section to try to find things that were entertaining enough to stay awake but weren't too taxing. One night, I came across Cheers, and I gave it a try. This show, which is about as old as I am, was like a warm, soothing bath. And soon I started watching it regularly. Now, for those of you who may not remember Cheers or were not alive when it was on the air, it was a sitcom in the 80s, part of NBC's must-see TV block of shows. It took place in a bar in Boston, and depicted the lives of the customers and employees there. Before cable, before internet, when there were just a few handful of shows on TV, it was a cultural phenomenon. It consistently was one of the highest rated shows on the air, and even 35 years later, it holds up pretty well. Granted, some of the humor around gender and sexuality does not land as well now as it did during the Reagan administration, but it's still pretty great. But what strikes me most is that it probably shouldn't have done as well as it did. In fact, the first season was almost canceled after terrible ratings. It came in dead last, tied with that beloved classic, Good Night, Beantown. Remember Goodnight Beantown? No, no one does. Because here's the thing, the characters are not terribly likable. 
Sam, the owner of the bar, is a womanizer and a recovering alcoholic. Diane, his love interest, is an elitist intellectual who thinks she's too good for her job as a cocktail waitress. Norm is depressed and in a dismal marriage and copes with alcohol. Cliff is a narcissist and a blowhard. Carla is a single mom who's hung up on her deadbeat ex-husband. Fraser is villainous and Woody is naive and yet it all sort of works out. They love each other. Despite all their faults, this group of barflies and working class losers really care and support each other. There in that basement bar in Boston, they have built a sanctuary together. A place where they can bring their authentic selves, their hopes and dreams, their failures and disappointments, their successes and accomplishments, and lay them all down. Despite their shortcomings, or maybe even because of them, they really, really love each other. The theme song for Cheers, which we heard as our prelude today, tells us that life is hard. The struggles we face day to day, quote, take everything you've got. And that's why you need to find a place where people know you and care about you. A place where your struggles are understood and where everybody knows your name. Mujerista liberation theologian Ada Maria Isazi Diaz wrote, The basis of people's faith is found in the everyday. The lived experience of people as we struggle for justice, fairness, and meaning in this world is what shapes our faith. The everyday people, events, items, tasks, responsibilities we interact with, are interpreted through our understanding of God, the universe, and ourselves. And in turn, our faith changes and grows as we interact more with the world. By taking time to be with people and put down our burdens, we are more capable of doing the hard work of faith formation, considering what is important in the world. What are our values? Making meaning of our lives and finding a way through when the path is faint and difficult. Because, let's face it, folks, life can be hard. While we may focus on the good the beautiful, the virtuous, getting up and living life can be a real struggle. This week, theologically speaking, has been a total and utter dumpster fire. That's a technical term. Despite the work of brave activist Brett Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court. And in a time when it feels like our values as you use, as Americans, as humans, feels like it's constantly under attack, this week has been a particular blow. To the survivors of sexual assault and abuse, 
to the people who love and support survivors, to the people who support our legal tradition and standards, this has been a hard week. And that's just the news. Every day we struggle on individual levels, too. We may struggle with finances or with family or with feelings that are intrusive and unwelcomed. Sometimes, just as the song goes, making your way in the world today really does take everything you've got. African-American theologian Howard Thurman wrote that fear, deception, and hatred are a natural response to all this difficulty of living life. We have to make compromises and sacrifices every day, and we justify them by leaning into that fear, that deception, that hate. But he offers an, an alternative. Love. To Thurman, who was a Christian, he sees Christ's love through the life and teachings of Jesus as a way to move past all that fear and hatred and deception. He offers a model of service to others as a way to alleviate each other's pain and suffering, as well as a way to appreciate the gifts and resources we have to share. By caring for one another allowing someone to put down their burdens for a moment and rest and be held. It allows us to feel emboldened to continue on, to do the real work of living life every day. Now, like me, you may not be a Christian, but regardless of whether you are a Christian, a humanist, a Buddhist, Jewish, a Hindu, or any number of faith traditions or none at all, you can be part of our sanctuary community to rest and be cared for, as well as caring for others to offer an opportunity for someone to let down their guard for a moment and be seen and heard and understood. To tend to a ministry that someone needs in order to make it through another day. To be an authentic member of someone's understood of the divine love that flows through all. While there are so many things in this world that take from our emotional resources and never give back, this is something that gives back what is asked from you. When Elliot was born, people from my congregation came to bring us meals, and diapers, and hand-me-downs. Friends would offer to hold him while we napped. They would call me on the phone to chat, to offer advice when asked, and they would pray for us. We felt so cared for and loved. They were a port 
in the stormy time of a new child. They did this not because of the money we pledged or what we had put in the basket, but because of the time we had invested into the church, tending to the little and big tasks that make a community work. The love I had put into the community came back to me with interest. Maybe you've had this experience, being held by a community in transition. Maybe you've been the one to bring a meal or to support someone in crisis. Maybe you haven't. Maybe the community let you down when you were in a time of need. That happens. Even if you haven't felt this experience, it is never too late to care for a person. Friends, there's a lot of good work done every day here. Every day we do the life-saving and life-sustaining work of liberation. We welcome the stranger. We bury the dead. We raise a new generation of humans. We care for our vulnerable and our homeless. We tend to the earth. We support students and elderly alike. We call on one another and learn each other's stories. We love each other. 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 Love each other. I, can't, I can't think of a better thing to do with our days. Now, I'm afraid I have some difficult news. Building sanctuary that sustains the test of time isn't a casual task. Caring for one another is never an afterthought. It takes work, and it takes stewardship. It takes imagination, and it takes vulnerability. Yes, sanctuary community takes everything you've got. But the good news is, it has everything to give. So friends, just, just like those characters on Cheers, we come with our shortcomings. And we create something greater than ourselves together. We care for each other. And that allows us to keep moving on. To fight the forces of fear and deception and hatred to find the beautiful, the virtuous, and the good. To let each other put down our burdens even just for an hour each week. To do the everyday liberation work of building sanctuary community together. To remind us that regardless what the powers that be say, your life matters. What you do matters. You are 
beloved. Friend, I believe you. I support you. Come and rest with me in the divine for a while. We have a lot to do. And it's going to take everything we've got. But first, first, let's just be together for a bit. Friends, let's join together in a spirit of meditation and intention, some call prayer. Spirit of love, life, and justice, you who go by many names, we feel your presence now. Move through us in this space, this space of sanctuary. Let us be present with one another. Let us put down our burdens and be with one another in you. These are the prayers of our people. Reverend Beth Banks prays for the future of our country after the vote which established Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. This court which should be impartial, free from partisanship and ideology. May it remember its task to balance all information fairly. May it work for justice for all and not just for a few. May we be emboldened to hold it accountable. Dear God, we give thanks for this day. We feel you move in the breeze as you rustle the leaves. We feel you in the dimming of the light, recognition that the time we share together is brief and sacred. We ask that you be with the ill and the suffering. May they be brought comfort and peace. May we remember to be comforters and peacemakers. We ask you to be with our activists and our justice seekers. May they know that the that this grief is brief and the justice, the arc of justice is long and that we are the ones to bend it. We ask you to be with our children as they learn and grow and teach us. And we ask you to be with our elders, those who came before us, as we share gratitude for all that they have built 
and all that they offer in their wisdom and guidance. And dear God, we repent. We sorrowfully lift up our hearts knowing that we have fallen short at times, that our aspirations were higher than our abilities. What has been done this week has been done, and what has not been done this week has not been done. Let it be. Let we let us rest in your peace. And now we lift up our hearts for our individual prayers. For these prayers spoken and those that remain in the silent sanctuaries of our hearts, we give thanks. Amen. Blessed be. Friends, please reach out, grab a hand, touch a shoulder, make some eye contact, make some human contact. That's what we're doing here. Reminding one another that we are humans made in the beloved image of the divine. Friends, the work we do here together makes sanctuary community together. May the love we share be a liberating force in the world, a love so powerful that it can only change the world. Beloved, our worship has ended, but our service has just begun. And let the people say, Amen. Amen.